So a big welcome to everyone. I'm Jenny Stanley, founder and managing director at Appetite Creative, and I'm really excited to everyone I have everyone here today and a huge welcome to those joining us now on what is our seventh webinar. Um, some admin pieces, you may already heard it, but um, this will absolutely be recorded. Um, you'll be able to get this on our YouTube channel and also on our podcast, uh, which is called The Talking Giraffe. Um, this is really open for QA, so please feel to write any questions in the QA box that you can see in your Zoom control panel, and we'll be asking our guests today your questions. Unfortunately, Christine Anderson, Global Communication Lead of um, Novo Nordisk, is unable to join us today um, for personal reasons. Um, COVID is affecting everyone directly um, and um, indirectly, so she really does share her apologies that she can't be with us today. The series of webinars we started back in March, April time really aims to lift the lid on how different industries have been overcoming and rising to the challenges and opportunities brought to us by the pandemic. COVID-19 has really become part of our lives for the last half year and all industries have had to adapt to the new normal and come up with new solutions to the challenges that COVID-19 has brought about. In this ever-changing world, we can see new announcements coming out every day that impact us and actually give us more information around the longevity that these changes are actually going to affect us. And only this week we had the announcement that the EFC has cancelled their face-to-face -face element. So we can be pretty confident that there will be no conferences um, of that size, at least until August next year. With this impact, there's so many different things that have had to change. Sales strategies have had to change. Face-to-face -face meetings are declining and in most cases wiped out with confinement. PR and communication plans need to be reassessed. Realignment of activities and events. Face-to-face -face is something which we have so relied on as part of our day-to-day -day strategy. But now digital is pushed to the forefront like never before. So today we're going to dig a little bit deeper and to discover how these experts with us today have been adapting and rising to the challenge. The webinar will be split into two different parts. Firstly, I'll be joined by Danny Jimenez-Hirana. Um, Danny has been leading the global digital strategy over the past 18 months for Bayer. And Guillermo Macaron, who is a MIA Solutions Business Manager at Johnson & Johnson, who's based um, where I am today in Madrid. So we're going to look at how global digital strategies have been rolled out and how sales teams are adapting to this new normal and how they've been trying to improve um, their communication. After that, I will be then joined on the virtual stage by John Campbell, sales manager at Spark for Remote Engagement at Allergen. And we're going to be looking at the huge change that business has created by looking at putting together a large community that engaged HCPs and healthcare experts, which breaks the traditional hierarchical approach and has managed to increase fivefold their virtual appointments being booked. So we want to really understand a lot more about that. So first things first, to the most uh, two difficult names uh, for today's webinar, to Danny and Guillermo. Thanks a lot um, for being with us here today. It's um, a great pleasure, obviously, to have you. Um, and I guess the most important thing, um, are you guys working from home today or are you working um, from an office? Danny, it looks like you're at home. Exactly, I'm at home, Jenny. Thanks you. Thank you for the invitation. And I'm so glad to be here today. Thanks very much. No problem at all. Guillermo, are you at home or are you in the office today? At home, at home. I'm working there from the last uh, six months, almost since uh, March. Wow, wow, okay. And, um, you know, I think that's the same as most of most of our um, people uh, in, the, in, the, in the audience as well. A lot of people are saying, um, at home. Oh, we have we have some people um, from the from the office as well. So obviously, you know, I've talked a little bit about some of the um, differences, some of the changes that have had to be made. Danny, you're tasked with helping to find what makes a real difference to customers and finding a way to respond to that. How has that changed for you over the last few months? Danny? 
We have lost Danny. Guillermo, what about yourself? How, how have things been changing for you over the last few months? I mean, there were very disruptive changes in, in, in March, uh, uh, and there is a, a lot of change that were coming, and especially how we adapt to that uh, disruption. Uh, I was saying in no sense, so from externalities on how we now connect and, and talk and have discussion with our customers and even how we connect with our uh, community of patients, uh, but also internally, how, how we work together, how we also connect internally. So all that have, have changed uh, very, uh, very rapidly. Also demand and request the, the, the team and, and also the, uh, here in JNJ to, uh, to really progress and, and to provide some solutions. So we are very pulling from IT, our partners, to how we get solution in place in a very, very short time. Yeah, definitely. Um, Danny, are you with us now? Yes, sorry, apologies about that. I mean, working from home had these kind of things. So I'm back, hopefully you can see me. No worries, and it proves we're live. So Danny, tell us, you know, what about the things that have changed from your side? You know, what's what's been going on in your world? Well, actually, I mean, um, for me that I'm currently in charge of managing global projects within within Bayer, as you can imagine, my one of my main responsibilities is to really be connected with the different regions and the key stakeholders of those regions. And when implementing a project like this kind of things, you need to be really... Uh, aware of the kind of things that people might need on those specific regions, countries, um, clusters somehow. So the interconnection with them is quite critical. And the way that we in the past were able to do that has changed dramatically. So it was a huge difference for me since March the Hill about the way we were approaching the projects, how we are really managing uh, stakeholders expectation, how we are managing requests, how we are dealing with the uncertainty that we have ahead of us also within the stakeholders. So I might say that we have been really creative on the way we were approaching our projects right now, and it will have to be the new norm. So we'll have to follow these kind of things because we have pros, we have cons, but definitely it's a, it's a learning curve that we all trying to adapt in here. And, and, you know, you mentioned about, you know, having a global team. So that obviously means that you're generally talking to different teams who are in different countries. So, um, would, the, would your first port of call be to jump on a plane to have met with those teams or would yeah. you have already done virtual? No, exactly. That's, that's, uh, that, that, that is true. I mean, probably if you, look at, if you look at it with our current eyes, you see this not, that's not efficient at all, which is absolutely true. I mean, the first thing is that, okay, we, we need to go to Latin America and we need to start with Mexico. Okay, let's put all in a plane, go to Mexico from the global, from the global teams, try to spend one week working with them having like 20 people in the same in the same room trying to get as much as we can out of them and then we will go back to our office we try to work alone and then we deliver something to them which to be honest i mean that's not agile that's not efficient and now we've seen that there's other opportunities so again if i look at the the way this covid situation is helping us is to really manage the organizational change in a way that this is gonna be an eye opener for all of us, in a way how we can tackle these kind of projects, how we can deal with our customers, with our stakeholders at some point as well, how we can be more efficient on every interaction, how we can better communicate with them because communication is giving a key thing for us uh, in this kind of journey. We have to learn how to communicate with their stakeholders to really deliver specific message, assertive message, but at the same time, make sure that we are aligned with them. So it's been a huge learning curve for us. We're still learning, uh, this be, there's been pros, but also we still have to manage a strong cons on that because the uncertainty is killing us. And I think that this is, is not only for, for us, but I do see a lot of benefit of this kind of new normal on the way we are approaching this kind of projects, to be honest. And do you think that there were maybe some countries, I mean, if your, your go-to was to jump on a plane and, and go and see those, those teams, you know, have you found that some countries have been more able to understand the virtual and you're able to have that communication and maybe some other countries have not been able to um, work or make that adjustment as, as quickly as others. Do you see a difference there? Yeah, there's a huge difference as well. And again, I mean, it's not just jumping on a plane and go there. There's a preparation work that has to be done. We did it in the past and we're doing it right now. But what I'm trying to say is that we've been much more efficient. We're putting a lot of pressure on ourselves to ensure that we have the right information to move forward. And maybe in the past we have like the backup point plan on 
if you don't get it that online, the pre-work probably, you're going to be face-to-face with the team. So you're going to be able to get all that. Right now, mm. that's not an option. So you need to be really prepared. We need to be really structured. You need to be really organized. And, and, and that's the kind of thing that we're getting. We, we are definitely seeing difference between countries and also regions in the way they approach projects like this. We do, we do see difference also on the talent that we have all over the globe. So you see, like when you talk about capabilities or when you talk about capacity, when you go to a region like North America, it's absolutely different than you go to an APAC, for example. It's mm. a different world over there. So you need to balance expectation and you need to balance the kind of approach that you're gonna be giving to each one of them. Obviously, as part of a global team and a global project execution point of view, we need to be global. That means that we need to follow the same kind of pattern, the same kind of path on that, but somehow flexibility within this new normal is going to be critical for us. Or is, it is critical for us as of today as well. Yeah, absolutely. And then also just in terms of being able to um, get everybody on board, right? I mean, some countries have a higher level of digital knowledge. Um, you know, did, did you find that there were some countries with higher digital knowledges that were able to um, grasp things quicker? Or, you know, did you see any differences there? Yes, I mean, at the end, as I was, I was, as I was saying, it, it's about the capabilities that they have and the capacity that the team might have. So definitely, what we try to really is to ensure that we have the same level of expectation and the same level of knowledge for the specific project. So the project that I, I've, I've been managing is more like the CRM global projects. So somehow we we had to be really specific about what was the the why behind the project and why we are running a project like this and why we are implementing that and what's going to be the benefit that we're going to get from that. So it's not only about the knowledge about the digital capabilities. It's also about the why behind the project. The, 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 we really have to take uh, a strongly uh, personal approach in here, trying to really ensure and deliver what's gonna be the value for the end user in project like this. Uh, this is no longer gonna be a, an IT conversation or a technological conversation only. It's gonna be a people conversation where we have to drive the change. And that's why that's the intention that we have in, in yeah. project like this. No, absolutely. It makes makes perfect sense. And the ability to be more efficient because you've got to plan it differently. So you've got to look at things from a, from a different way. Um, yeah, Mo, do, do you see the same? You know, are you now looking at things in a, in a totally different way? Yeah, sure. We have something that they are, they are changing. Also, as Danny said, we are also thinking, changing a lot of the way of communication uh, internally and externally. So something we, uh, we improved on the last month the way we can better connect with our teams, especially in regional and global positions that we are uh, having. So this is something that we have uh, added in our portfolio of, of, of way of communication, as we are now not, not allowed, I would say, to be um, more face-to-face. But there are many other opportunities, I would say, and benefits that are coming from that. Okay, absolutely. You know, oh, we've got a question, actually. A question in from um, our Facebook uh, audience, which is fantastic. Um, here's their question. There have been many new challenges for the healthcare industry this year due to the pandemic. It would be very interesting to know um, what you think might be the greatest challenge for the healthcare industry in the next couple of years. Um, let me take that first, maybe. Um, so I feel that um, just trying to think about the customer engagement point of view, how we're going to be really engaging and connecting with customers and how, how is going to be our commercial policies as well? What has to change? What kind of kind of tools and the kind of information that we're going to be able to get to give to our salespeople? I think that the, the current situation is going to speed up all those plans. Again, uh, it's about how we can really accelerate the digital transformation of our companies to be able to provide the right information to our commercial people to deliver this, 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 this job, their jobs. In a, in, a, in a more um, effective way. And, and again, uh, this situation has to really accelerate the, 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 the approach that we're taking in here, companies like mine. Absolutely. Um, Guillermo, have you got anything to add to that question or? Yeah, I think that it's also uh, related to that is, is uh, everything re- regarding to, to trust also in terms of this digital, in terms of the new uh, solutions that are coming and all related to what is uh, coming from or, or linked to security, privacy, when we are using not only in communication, but also in the digital solution affecting patients or information for patients and information from uh, ACPs. So all this related to 
trust uh, to the to the systems, to the to the privacy and security will be also uh, I would say a challenge and on the other side an opportunity to work and to improve on that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we've got another we've got another question in from from Tim. I'm not sure again to which which panelist it's to. So um, perhaps. Perhaps you can shout at me. Um, Tim says, thanks for the question, Tim. Um, have you looked at home nursing for clinical trials or patient support programs? We at Ren Healthcare have an 80% increase in work because we are nurse-led in home clinical trial company. We've found it easier for utilizing the virtual world for meetings and patient support from companies all over the world. Um, yeah. I'm not sure. If, if I can take it, uh, Jennifer, this is something uh, in general, we are working and we see the, the, the high uh, spike I was in terms of telemonitoring, uh, not only from uh, uh, trials or clinical trials, but for patients that they are in, in, in long-term treatment. So we are working uh, within JNJ in, in treatment of, of obesity, uh, cancer. So this is something that is already in place. So this is uh, something that we already uh, implemented and this is something that will be more and more uh, uh, spread across the, the different countries. There are countries that are more eager to do this implementation, have the mindset to, to, to jump in. Uh, yeah. Others, are, they are more probably, uh, I would say, tied to their regulations or to any other kind of limitations. But we see that there are more and more uh, this technology coming and, and in order to help uh, all the care teams in either they are uh, providing care to, their, to the patient or whether they are part of the uh, trials or clinical trials. Fantastic. Tim says thank you. So um, that's that, that's great. Thank thank you very much and keep them coming. Um, Guillermo, you, you, you mentioned mindset, you know, whoever has the mindset to jump in. And I think that's a really good point. Um, would you say the biggest challenge around this is, is mindset? I, I believe mindset is one of the first challenges. Uh, uh, I would say mindset regarding also to the, the culture, the culture of the the country, and when I say culture is uh, the way they are more eager in, in order to uh, be innovative, or on the other hand, when they are more conservative. Also, when they are discussing even in the same country, I will say uh, uh, regarding the public and the, the private. So public have certain constraints where, where private, they are probably more eager and have more uh, margin to, uh, to, uh, to innovate and to purchase solutions that are outside the normal uh, portfolio. Uh, so for example, we have a great success and with private hospital providing and, and, and implementing this type of digital solution. On the other hand, for public is, is like also moving, but it's more lengthy and, and slow. And they have many uh, uh, type of regulation or limitation there's of their, their tender. So it's a mindset is first, but also there are, there are other factors as I mentioned in terms of uh, culture, in terms of uh, uh, regulation and other type of limitations that they have. Sure, sure, absolutely. I think just mindset of, of um, kind of um, embracing the digital world, the, the, the webinar we did last week was, um, sorry, last month was really talking about recruitment. But interestingly, there was a poll which said that um, candidates didn't want to um, be interviewed um, in a virtual space. And actually 95% of, of people actually turned that on its head. And when they went out to poll, actually the situation is we might think that, but candidates are actually very, very happy um, to be interviewed in a virtual world. Do you see some of that? Are there kind of some myths around digital, um, Guillermo? Do you think that there's some um, changes to us actually accepting digital? Yeah, I can, I can tell you from patient perspective is something we, we see that uh, increasing demand. So not only, I would say, from COVID that are now is reducing the, uh, I would say, what we call the touch point and the moment of the, of the patient pathway. So the moment they need to be interacting with the care team face to face. So this, this is also reducing, but there is, they see that now there is a new way of interaction with their, with their care team. Uh, uh, some of the cases, most of the cases, more efficient because uh, in many cases they're reducing uh, the time, uh, the traveling time. So uh, we are probably used to, to see here in, uh, in Europe, they just take the, take the metro, take your car to go to the doctor. In other cases, we see in emerging markets, Middle East, is taking alone. It's taking a couple of days traveling to uh, the big city from rural areas, meet the doctor, and then come back. And then if you need to do this a couple of times, 
is is not very uh, very efficient and also high time consuming for the uh, for the patient. So we see that there's a lot of benefits in many in many areas for patients, and also there's a lot of benefits from ACPs where they can be more healthcare professionals when they can also interact in a more virtual way. Uh, they can do it more more efficient and monitor their their patients. In a, in, a, in a better way, have a better visibility of how they are progressing, even if they don't see face-to-face. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I think that also comes back to efficiency, you know, talking about getting in your car, maybe sitting in half an hour for traffic, finding parking, all of that, you know, stress actually gets removed from that from the patient side as well. So that's, that's really talking about efficiency as well. Um, Danny, you talked about efficiency. Are there any other kind of benefits or, or opportunities that you've seen um, having you know, been working in a, in a digital framework now for the last six, seven months? Well, I feel that as I was mentioning before, it's, it's on the communication skills that we need to have internally and externally. Also, as Guillermo was saying, um, we need to really be a real expert on how we're gonna be managing uh, the communication and the people expectation to ensure that we're going to be able to accomplish what we were supposed to accomplish in a face-to-face meeting or in a face-to-face interaction with our, with our clients. So uh, we, 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 we need to specialize on that and it is an opportunity to do so. Uh, I feel that at least on my own experience that uh, our meetings are much more effective, uh, are much more uh, short as well. Mm-hmm. And that's a path that, I mean, in, in our day-to-day basis probably I mean, I'm usually back to back every day. So I start at 9 a.m., I finish 6 p.m. and it's back to back the whole time. So we, 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 we had to change this reality based on the current situation because we cannot be from nine to six in front of the laptop, like working like this. So we had to be more efficient and this is helping us and giving us the path to change on that. Uh, I'm not saying that this is the, the, the reason why, but definitely it's helping us to drive that kind of uh, mindset change that Guillermo was saying, not only on the way we do business, but also at the same time, the way we operate as a business. Mm, definitely. I mean, there's so many different things that I think people haven't really thought about could be affected, you know, Zoom fatigue being one of those, which I think is what you're kind of um, perhaps talking about, you know, being stuck to your laptop nine till six. Um, you know, Guillermo, what do you, what do you think about that? You know, how do you see the landscape moving forward? Well, as I mentioned, that starts a, a shift in the in the demand. So before COVID, I think we were were working on all related with digital health, e-health, telemedicine, and there were certain level of, of demand, I would say, but no, they were higher. And they, I see that shift uh, due to due to COVID that there was increasing, and there is a, a especially a acceptance and, and demand coming from customers on, on digital solution and to implement that. A solution on their on their lives. Uh, also, see a change in the um, in the healthcare system. So they are looking for uh, Im- implementing uh, solutions or means to be uh, uh, more efficient in order to provide uh, a better patient experience, but also uh, a better experience for their their care teams and their and their staff. Uh, in the way to manage a large number of, of large number of patients in distance. Uh, with the same or less resources, but also providing or being able to provide uh, same or even higher quality for, for the patient. So also see that uh, increase or I would say more consolidation from technology perspective, consolidation of the current technology we have in terms of apps, wearables, so something that we have or everyone have it in terms of Apple Watch. They are, they are more and more in our, in our lives, yeah. but it would be more and more race of new emerging technology that can be applied like artificial intelligence, machine learning, or blockchain that will be applied on, on, on healthcare in a very short time, a couple of years, I would say. And there will be more disruptive solution that will kind of, that will be ready uh, due to, uh, to COVID and there's that uh, change on the mindset and change on the, on the demand. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's, it's really interesting what you talk about wearables. Um, We've, we've, we've just had a question in from the audience as well, actually, from, from the QA. Do you foresee, therefore, that this will be a permanent change um, and transform the healthcare landscape in a, in a positive way? So will it, will it be permanent um, and, and is it positive? Uh, I would think it will be permanent in terms of there will be coexistence. Today, is, I would say the face-to-face is, is really reduced due to COVID. And when we pass that, that period of time, will be increased again. 
but I think that that will be coexisting both uh, uh, the face to face when you're interacting with your uh, healthcare professionals, but I think there will be also high level of uh, interaction in terms of digitally in many cases that will reduce uh, I would say the pain points on, on the on the process in terms of so reduce the, uh, uh, all this uh, movement when it is not needed. So uh, I think that will be coexisting. In terms of positive, I'm, I'm pretty sure and uh, we see feedback from from customer and patients and hospital that they are saying that how how positive that they are uh, in terms of uh, of getting this uh, interaction uh, and also better in terms of uh, to get more better communicate for patients to be more engaged on the process that they have to this uh, digital uh, interaction and digital solutions get uh, more better educated and more engaged to the, uh, to the process of treatment. Sure, absolutely, absolutely. Involvement in, 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 all, in all situations there as well. Um, Danny, question from Facebook um, audience. Um, when do you think online sessions or diagnosis um, with healthcare professionals, although maybe this is better for you, um, but whichever, I'll let you jump in. Well, the question is, when do you think online sessions, diagnosis with healthcare professionals and doctors will become standard? Could this change the industry forever? I would let Guillermo to answer that, but I, I just wanted to point one more thing on, on, the pre on his previous response, actually. And sure. I feel that, that we really need to understand the situation that we are living and we need to take the benefits out of it how that's going to be the new standard or is going to be a combination of what I fully agree with what Guillermo has said. We need to take the positives and to apply into the, into the new normal, but at the same time, we need to take the benefits of what we were doing in the past. So the beauty is going to be on the combination of that. And that also aligns with the question that, that we have now from, 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 from Facebook. I feel that this is a great opportunity for a test and learn approach. I think that most of the company we've been trying to run this kind of exercise for a while, and now we have mm -hmm. the opportunity to, to accelerate that. So again, if we're moving into a digital world, test and learn should be uh, the new, should be common, and, and we should try. We should learn from that. When it's going to be the, the 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 standard, I can give you an answer on that. But definitely, this new situation is going to help us to really speed up things, as I was saying before, and at the same time to be normal to try these kind of initiatives. So now over to you, Guillermo. Maybe you have a more. I no, fully, fully, fully agree with what you what you said that this this is not. Uh, I would say that uh, disappear was the, the, the previous uh, uh, standards and coming the new ones. Uh, it, it just is coexisting. This is uh, uh, taking the positive that we have from the, that the, the, the digital solutions can, can bring, or in this case, the teleconsultation can bring. But in many cases, um, some, most of the cases, you need to have this face-to-face -face interaction with, the, uh, with your healthcare, healthcare professional. So that, that will be a, a coexisting and then in, in many cases, digital will add many value uh, and there's especially in the monitoring uh, area uh, in order to keep informed the, the uh, healthcare professionals during the, the treatment. But in others, for the patients, sometimes you need to, to go on to have this face-to-face, uh, -face, uh, especially checks that you need to do, blood tests and all these type of things that you need to do face-to-face. -face. So I would say that this, this is not a, a fully changed in terms of the uh, coming to the digital 100%, that will be a hybrid uh, situation that we have mixed or coexist in both of them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But I think for sure it's really brought to light some opportunities for better efficiency, new ways to look at things, open mindsets. And I think a hybrid approach, perhaps of, of all these things, um, actually really gives us the best uh, blend to be able to answer some of these new, new challenges and just change change the way we're working. Um, thanks so much, Guillermo. Thank you so much, Danny. Really, really great insights um, and had some great fun chatting with you. So I think you've definitely given us, given us some food for thought on how we're, you know, looking at being efficient um, and looking at being able to change that, that mindset um, as that, as you said, is, is sometimes or most of the time the first challenge. So thanks again. Um, thank you. And so now um, we move to the second part of the webinar and um, I'm going to be joined by John Campbell. Um, he is really the uh, cornerstone of the remote engagement um, spark, um, as it is called. So, um, John, be fantastic to hear a little bit um, from yourself, obviously. Um, let's see if we can get you on screen. That would be a great start. And if we can um, really understand a little bit around the um, initiative itself, um, 
tell us tell us about it you know you've got a fantastic story how did it all start absolutely well it actually well what spark is now is really kind of a medical aesthetics community for hcps who we define as doctor dentists and nurses but it really started in 2019 actually um there's a bit of a project as we were moving really from to key account management for our field-based teams it kind of was questions kind of asked of what happens to the other accounts who aren't being key account managed uh, so it really started off as a resource management tool to help facilitate that move the end of 2019 we we're actually really starting to add value to a lot of the customers and, and moving away from this kind of sending out promotional material that kind of thing um, so the real shift was really around covid which we'll cover off in a little bit but i think what we're really trying to solve is that when hcps join the medical aesthetics market, they often feel quite alone and isolated in the market, and they're often information seekers. And we're getting quite a bit of bad reputation because we weren't necessarily able to cope with, with the number of HCPs making inquiries with us. And a lot of the field team had the accesses to the tools, such as medical education, uh, information on our products. So that's what we were trying to really solve through Spark, was actually facilitation or away from field-based to, to digital in 2019. But what really changed, I guess, is moving more towards a, forming a community. Okay. And you talked about the fact that you're moving into this community um, engagement program, but COVID um, obviously got in the way as it gets in the way of everything. So how did the project change then once, once COVID got involved? Actually, the, the concept of the community actually came through, through the interactions through from COVID really, because I think when we were looking in 2019, we were certainly focused around our support being from an Allegan business consultant or an Allegan clinical specialist to provide a lot of the content. But um, what kind of changed was our mindset and we've heard from the two other guests around mindset as well. And sometimes it's not being about being in the right place at the right time, it's the right mindset at the right time. And I think that for us gave us an opportunity to reflect on the feedback and the surveys that we've done and clinical or digital, business mentoring kept on coming up as a key request and the question was how do you facilitate mentoring uh, when we have so many thousands of customers and and this really kind of where it sort of developed from maybe someone with one year's experience can really mentor someone coming brand new into the market or or someone who's got three to five years has a lot of insights and they're able to share that to, to the wider community so what COVID did was stopped us trying to create our own content and kind of ask the community to share articles, stuff they're just really passionate about. And, and so that was the mind shift, mindset shift that we had during COVID, because yeah, that, that's kind of what I'll probably say. Yeah, no, I mean, there's some really good points there. I mean, the first thing I want to talk about a little bit out of that is really about the survey. You said you carried out some surveys. You, you carried out a survey around social media and, and HCPs, they, yeah, absolutely. We had a we regularly survey um, the sort of community to to see what insights they they want. Uh, and particularly around COVID, we're like we had a lot of our focus was on face to face events, product evenings. Uh, we had an exhibition in the office, so it's kind of like, well, how how would you want us to communicate? And ninety percent came back saying through social media. Um, we were quite in a fortunate position because we did actually have consumer facing platforms already so we had a lot of the SOPs in place that the sort of people uh, with the right mindset to be able to help us deliver so um, it's kind of quite funny we really started just started our own post with Canva and other sort of digital platforms to create our own post and I think it was the test and learn piece that Danny kind of mentioned I think yeah we've got to start somewhere and, and what we really found was the most engaging pieces were around my story so other healthcare professionals sharing their career journey that they've had within medical aesthetics, but also the things they're really passionate about. What was the moment that they decided medical aesthetics was, was for them? Uh, but also what mistakes they made and learned from. So for us, social media is a really good platform as part of our omni-channel marketing approach, which includes print, social media, emails, face-to-face uh, -face events, virtual events, uh, and our promotional website, which has a lot of the product educational side of things, but also our medical educational side, which is which is separate. So it fits into that. And a lot of our customers have different journeys with us based on what their requirements are and what they need. So you you talked about the fact that you kind of moved from creating your own content 
um, for your community and actually let the community create their own, which sounds great, but in the healthcare pharma industries, there's a lot of compliance. Um, this is a highly regulated industry. So how are you ensuring you're um, keeping within the boundaries? Uh, you make it sound like we're not being compliant, but uh, absolutely, <laughs> no, compliance, is, <laughs> compliance is uh, you know, a hugely important part of, of what we do. Compliance, regulatory and legal as well. So I think, I think some of the concerns is, oh, what if someone posts a bad comment? What yeah. if someone posts an adverse event kind of thing? We have procedures and policies in place to be able to deliver that. Where the real value of whether we do social media or one of our events, which is called Spark Talks, was actually um, they stay away from any product reference. Um, so they're talking more holistically around the industry and other sort of topics, uh, which is which is fine. A lot of the any information which is obviously compliantly reviewed and checked is, is behind a closed environment, but anything front facing is top line. Uh, so yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's a fantastic idea. I loved about the, um, you know, your, your, your kind of live event where you engaged the community and they actually voted on what the content was going to be and who were going to be the speakers. Tell us about that, because I thought that was brilliant. Yeah, it was, it was take a, a little bit of a take on TEDx, if I'm honest, but it was around Spark Talks. It was during COVID time as well. It's an idea we had pre-COVID, but actually it came kind of better when we, we, we looked at it through the COVID situation, because... Uh, we were seeing a lot of, high, I call it hierarchical webinars, so obviously an expert delivering medical education out to, to the audience. And what we really wanted to do was kind of mix it up a little bit and actually say to the community, here's your opportunity to contribute to your own webinar uh, and actually vote on the topics that you want to see. Because I think when we were like, oh, we need to do webinars kind of situation, it was like all, all of it was kind of our opinion. Uh, so yeah, we actually asked the, the community to, to submit topics that they were particularly passionate about. Again, staying away from products and something a little bit more around sort of business or experiences and clin or clinical topics. Uh, so we had, yeah, 40, 47 uh, HCP submit topic entries. We shortlisted that with legal compliance and regulatory uh, to come up with 17. And we asked the community to vote on which one of the final seven they wanted to see live at a webinar. So again, what, well, I guess what was really nice is we saw topics from photography, the importance of lighting within mm. social media. You know, saying no to a patient within medical studies is also a really important part of it as well. Patient experience, you know, from the moment they pick up the phone to the clinic, what kind of things can you do to build up your business or, or improve the patient experience? Because there's a lot of myths around medical aesthetics, but, but also one of them was also around regulation. You know, is there parts we can better regulate the medical aesthetics market? So these were the topics uh, that they well, they wanted to watch. So that's yeah. what they got. Interesting. Love it. Absolutely love it. QA, uh, question from the audience. Um, is the Allergen Spark Network only for the UK and Ireland, or do you have plans to expand into further countries across Europe? Uh, we, we do. It was, it was a pilot project really in the UK and it's kind of gained a lot of momentum so there has been I've been working with quite a few other European countries Australia but the US has also launched um, it's, it's the thing about the US you kind of help guide them and then they they take your logo and create their own thing so we haven't to fall in line with their global <laughs> brand uh, but yeah absolutely I think this idea of uh, either building a community or just driving more engagement as we talk about you know there's I think people are looking for like carbon copy digital solutions and really it's about allowing the engagement first and then we have the tools to be able to support that engagement otherwise we build very complicated digital solutions which no one really uses so I think that's that's the opportunity yeah. so in other words it is just UK and Ireland but it is looking at rolled out sort of globally fantastic sounds i mean it sounds so revolutionary but it also sounds so simple because what you're actually saying is we listen to what the community want to tell us and we support them to talk about that <laughs> absolutely we're just you know we i think part of the challenge we have is we're a particularly small team we have uh, lots of lots of customers to support so um the more they can help each other and we're looking at other little things like little mentoring groups uh, and just really facilitating 
that kind of concept of togetherness and support because we, we used to well we host big medical educational conferences and there was some element of feedback that people were just going to, to meet up with their colleagues uh, more than maybe yeah. the medical education parts and part of that was absolutely providing a networking connection with your colleagues massively important but do we need to host such a big expensive medical educational event for you to, to deliver that maybe there's other solutions that they're really going for so how do we facilitate that uh, rather than in other other ways um so yeah yeah no absolutely um we've got a question um from 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 the audience nicolas um he asks are there any other business opportunities or new business opportunities um for the pharma industry that you think have arisen um just due to covid any new business opportunities um not necessarily sure within the remit of, of kind of spark necessarily. I think um, what, what ha has risen, as you kind of mentioned earlier, that we do have you know, kind of fivefold increase in virtual product specialist calls. And these are the same kind of appointments and the team that I have running the virtual calls are the same, were people who were in the field and now, now do it, uh, now do it virtually. So I think the business opportunity for us was just particularly over COVID was just being there for a lot of customers. Uh, so we were largely a reactive service because uh, a lot of these HCPs were uh, obviously going into the NHS to, to work, you know, during the COVID situation. So we, it was this kind of, do we make outbound calls? What's the situation with it? But actually being there and available, because a lot of these customers were very concerned about their business overheads, staff they had to furlough and other things. So for us, I think just providing a support structure as and when they needed it was was really good. So I do think other uh, pharma companies would have opportunities with remote engagement in a similar kind of way. Absolutely. Um, oh, that, you know, I think it's about push and pull, isn't it, as well? You know, if you're listening, uh, you're able to adapt to things um, and take those opportunities. Another another question. Um, how do you ensure that the community is open to share insights and knowledge because there might be direct competitors within that community. Uh, it's fine. So I think it's um, we'll we generally stay away from any sort of product referencing uh, ours or, or any anyone else's. So again, you know, when we did Spark Talks, it was open to any healthcare professional um, who was registered in the UK. So we didn't restrict competitor KOLs or anything like that. So. Uh, where we try and stay away from that is, is yeah, by not talking about products any any which way. Um, so competitors can can join on. See, I think a stronger, more educated market, the better, really. Yeah, yeah, and I think as well embracing that, right? So you know, embracing that you're actually speaking to people who might be competitors, but they might also have something that you can learn from as well, right? Absolutely. And yeah, as I say, I think um, there's a, you know, a lot of HCPs out in the market and some of their product education about competitors, about ours, uh, is still not, not so great, uh, particularly when they're new into the market. So um, no, in my view, it's, it's fine if they're competitive, friendly or, or, or likewise. Or not. <laughs> not friendly. Enemy. <laughs> not, not. Enemies. <laughs> okay, great. <laughs> Um, you know, you talked about fivefold increase um, in appointments, which, you know, obviously is fantastic. What about um, typical feedback from, from the HCPs? What are, what are they saying? Yeah, absolutely. I think what people like about Spark is uh, we, we've got some quotes, which I can read out. It's essentially like genuine healthcare professionals with real insights into the aesthetic market with an honest approach. And I think a lot of either webinars or, or content coming out to companies, I think it, it generally is geared around more promotional. Um, so again, just having, we're, we're not paying for these speakers. We obviously have contracts in place, but again, they're talking on something they're really passionate about. Uh, the other things we kind of hear is good variety of topics covered within our knowledge hub uh, and talks or, or content our HCPs are writing. Because I think if we sat in as a company, if we sat in a room and write out all the topics people would be interested to hear about, we'd probably miss 80, 90% of it. So again, they live the market every single day uh, from their viewpoints. And I think it's quite nice to open up. So I think it's the variance um, of topics and, and things we cover, I think is, is probably some of the key insights that we get. Yeah, I think, 
you know, it's 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 really interesting, and we're we are in a very much a virtual world, um, and obviously you're, you're you're generating this fantastic community. So I guess a question would be, you know, do we do we need to go back to face to face? I would love to say no, but uh, I think I'll, I'll be lying. I think yeah, absolutely. I think face to face is still really important, particularly uh, for key account management, and and Spark has face-to-face -face events as well so networking face-to-face -face. so we have a bit of a blended approach historically and we would do once things uh, start unlocking a little bit more but my question is what needs to be delivered face-to-face -face? and I think basic product information and other key learnings I think webinars like this are great and we've all kind of been exposed to like we've done a digital diploma online and various different things so I think a lot of the learnings don't need to be face-to-face -face anymore so again when we used to structure training or educational days we would have presentations in the morning hands-on sort of practical skills uh, and then followed by more sort of kind of demonstrations and actually the morning bit and most of the afternoon bit doesn't doesn't need to be face-to-face -face. so can we shorten training days to online learning for most of the product and scientific education with a face-to-face -face approach in it but just shortening the time Mm. So it comes back to what we were saying earlier in the other section of this webinar as well. It kind of, you know, asks a question again, what, what is best in terms of efficiency, um, which is really interesting. So new, new ways to look at things. Um, what do the rest of the business, um, you know, think about, think about your community? <laughs> Absolutely. I think it's, it's, it's gained a lot of momentum. Don't, don't get 2019, it's quite an early early concepts but certainly over covid i think a lot of other markets are scrambling a little bit to to get consents through the crm systems and that kind of thing like we've not consent hunted at all we've got over well over 2000 people atp signed up for for spark for promotional content as well so i think the business is looking really favorable honestly the numbers are uh, competing at higher levels than our face-to-face -face accounts um so really it's looking quite favorable as we're looking at other markets and we are sort of supporting other countries and the US to, to kind of look at an approach like this. Obviously, every market's going to be very different. I think Spark was particularly well suited for the UK market because it's less regulated and we have any HCP can go on a course and, and start injecting. So we are our challenges are slightly more unique, but I think a lot of the learnings can be replicated across other business units as well. Sure, no, that makes sense. Um, I think one of the things that I found really interesting was the, you know, ability to kind of turn what is your customer base into your team to, you know, create content for each other, which is a, a very clever way, really, of being able to build this community. What are your tips um, for anyone looking to build a community? Because I think this actually extends across so many different different areas. Yeah, I've got some key points. I think um, I cover them all off, and I'll cover if you need me to ex expand on it. But it, it's really about content versus cash, people versus technology, engagement versus revenue, and then uh, progression rather than perfection. Uh, so content versus cash. I think you know we, there's opportunities to buy followings or a community, and we 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 didn't invest in that on purpose because actually. Will they even open up any of the content that you send? So what we really was driving word of mouth referrals uh, by delivering good content through other HCPs. People versus technology. Again, you can have the best tech in the world, but again, it's really the people driving that, which is really important, uh, and the HCPs behind it as well. Engagement versus revenue. I think uh, the revenue piece is a little bit more controversial. We, we try and work with having an equal opportunity. So everyone within the community has an equal footing for an opportunity to contribute, irrespective of the size of their business or, or influence within the market. Everyone has an equal opportunity because the community at the end gets to decide who, what topics they want to see and, and that kind of thing. I think progression versus perfection as well. I think if we were perfectionists at Spark, I think we, um, we probably wouldn't have progressed very far. And a lot of the learnings and insight has been probably because we haven't been maybe under the pressure that large organizations have in terms of getting it right, uh, particularly from the global. So we've almost come from a unrecognized 
little project and kind of grown more organically. So that's really given us an opportunity to say, let's give it a go, let's spark talks. We've got this idea, let's check, check the concept out with legal regulatory and compliance just to make the point about that. And then also, um, and, and give it a and give it a go really so uh we're less fearful of making you know a wrong move and we, and we learn and we learn from that and adapt as we move move forward yeah i love that and it also kind of gives a bit more of an authentic feel to it as well which again goes back to what you were saying in terms of you know do we invest on just generating lots of content and then just push that all out or or do we kind of you know take take a different different stance on it so Absolutely. you know i I love those. I love those points at the end. I think they're really, really, really interesting. I think um, we generally see that in other other industries as well. So um, digital remote calling, particularly 2019, when I was looking at other solutions and trying to, you know, I was having video calls with people in Dublin about software and, and tech. And but we we've always heavily relied on on face to face hmm. calls within within pharma. Um, so again, it's really just adapting what we've seen in other markets, but actually applying the same principles uh, into into pharmaceuticals. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think those are th those are things that really come across everything as well. Progress versus perfection. You know, that actually get moving rather than sitting waiting for you know a year before you think you're ready to take this to market. So I think that's a really important message as well. Absolutely. Um, Thanks very much, John. Really, no problem. Thank you for that. Really interesting. Um, you know, big thank you to all, all of my guests. So thank you to Danny. Uh, thank you to Guillermo as well. Um, and, you know, just great, great points to be, to be brought together there. And I think really, if there was a message that I'm certainly taking away, it's around, you know, look at, look at, look at things in a different uh, mindset with a different view um, is this the right way to do it just because we always did it this way is it actually the most efficient way what are the challenges but what are the opportunities um, around that and then I just love you know um, progression versus perfection um, I think I might uh, <laughs> write that somewhere on my desk I love that um, so again a big a big thank you to everyone it'll be available on YouTube for anybody who wants to be able to see it um, thanks thanks a lot and I, and I wish you a very good day Thanks a lot.